Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to Evolving Digital Self. Today's guest, I'm so excited to introduce you to. This is an area that we have not covered at all yet before, and it's just so exciting and interesting to me. Nona Yahya is doing this incredible project of vertical harvest where she's growing things off the side of a garage, and it's much more cool than that sounds, but they are growing microgreens and providing food for places that have never had access to these wonderful fresh things in the snowy seasons before, and there's just so much more to it. But anyway, I was excited about the work that they were doing and just had to have her on the show. So welcome, Nona. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. So you're an architect from background. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what the evolution was sort of that brought you to working in vertical agriculture from from architecture. Sure. I think, you know, it's interesting. I never set out to be a vertical farmer. My co-founders never set out to be vertical farmers, but we all were concerned professionals who really love where we live, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And we embarked on this project really at the end of the tail end of the last global recession. And I like to say that you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And I'd say through that principle is how we started vertical farming. So I am an architect by trade. And I have always believed in the power of architecture to be a vehicle for social change. And but it's really rare for an architect to fall upon a project like that. And Vertical Harvest of Jackson has really filled that hole in what I you know, what I set out to do when I started studying architecture, and it's taken me over ever since. (laughs) I love that. And it's just, I mean, it, you're saying it in such an understated way. I mean, if you could see the impact that she's having on this community and the way that, which is a, a huge factor in the work that you guys are doing, it's not just using technology to grow microgreens in a cool environment, but you're integrating so many social components there that, you know, it really looks at the full systemic perspective, which is one of those things I just, I can totally geek over for hours. Too. I am I a systems it. geek as and, well. <laughs> and so can you, can you share a little bit about your yeah. thinking behind that and how, sure. you know, how that has played out? Too? Well, as I said, we're a group of concerned citizens, right? And we live in this beautiful place, Jackson Hole. And especially thinking where, you know, we came out of the last global recession, really, you know, is this community sustainable? What are the needs of this community? And so one of my co-founders came to me and she had really been thinking about food and how we get food here in Jackson Hole. And she realized, you know, as many urban centers do, we import all of our leafy greens from California and Arizona. It's called the salad bowl, right? And by the time it gets to our grocery stores and, and more importantly, our plates, It really doesn't taste like much, and it's totally devoid of its nutritional value. And that was something that I think she was thinking about. She was a sustainability consultant, kind of thinking about out-of-the-box solutions. And so she thought greenhouse, you know, that's a way that we can start growing and that maybe we'll make it through the Wyoming winter. 
And because there wasn't much work for architects at that time, I was also really diving into what could a residential scale greenhouse, because I'm a foodie as well, look like here in Jackson Hole that could withstand the Wyoming winter. We met happenstance at a bachelorette party and she said, you know, I don't have a site. I don't have an idea of how big this greenhouse could be, but would you help me? And I said, sure, because I'm always looking for projects with impact. So, you know, we went on a long process of saying, where could we put this greenhouse? We felt pretty strongly that it needed to be in the downtown core, but really not more than that. And, you know, Jackson is also really as wonderful as it is because it's surrounded by mountains. It is also the, you know, national parks take up a lot of its land. So 97% of the developable land here is already developed. So finding public or private places where a greenhouse could exist was a difficult process. Mm -hmm. So we talked to a lot of stakeholders. Could we put it on top of a grocery store? Could we, you know, put it in a public park? Where could we put this greenhouse? And during that process, we talked to many, many organizations and a woman who was an employment facilitator for people with physical and intellectual disabilities, Caroline Croft Este, heard about what we were doing and she called us up and she said, if you ever get this greenhouse off the ground, would you employ my clients? They're looking for consistent, meaningful work. That really resonated with me. I have a brother with developmental disabilities, and I think I've been an advocate before I even knew what the word meant. Mm-hmm. And I really felt strongly that while, you know, in this country since the 70s, we've done a really good job of taking care of this population during education. When it comes to employment, people are on their own. So, That resonated with me. At the same time, you know, this was another specific need in our community. Jackson Hole is not known for building careers, right? (laughs) People come here to ski, they come here to have a good time, and they leave. In the meantime, there's this burgeoning local community of business owners who want to make a go of it here. And they have a hard time hanging on to consistent employees. So we said, oh, could we put these two things together? Here we have an employee pool who live here, who want to find consistent, meaningful employment, who suffer a very high unemployment rate. So, you know, from the outset, we decided to focus on not only food, but futures in creating meaningful employment for a population that really needed it in our town. So we specifically react to two very critical needs in our community that I think resonate with a lot of urban centers. So shortly after that, a town councilman showed us this piece of property that we, like you said, it's on the south side of a parking garage, measures 10 feet wide by 150 feet long. A town councilman knew that the town was putting out a request for proposal to say what could the community do with this land. We jumped on it. I know that town councilman thought that we might put up a hoop house extending our short four-month growing season by a couple months and employing a few people. And I think that's where my background as an architect really kicked in. And what really brought us three women together was impact. We wanted to have as much impact on our community as we could. We wanted to grow as much food as possible. We wanted to employ as many people as possible. And we wanted to do both year-round. So that's where we decided to go up. And that's where we became vertical farmers. So now on a tenth of an acre, we grow the equivalent of 10 acres worth of food and employ 30 people year-round, half of which have some sort of physical or intellectual disability. 
That's pretty amazing what you guys pulled off. And I mean, if you ever get to Jackson, I'm telling you people, you need to go check out Vertical Harvest. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing to see the technology, the architecture, the and and to taste the products that yeah. are coming out of there. It's really, you know, you've kudos to you. You've done an amazing amazing work and so exciting because it sounds like you guys are expanding. So can you tell us a little bit more about sort of the big picture and where you're going with that? Because, I mean, this isn't just like a one-off project. Let's do something cool in Jackson Hole. You guys are going to have major global impact, I think. But but tell me a little bit more about your growth plans there. Well, it started that way, right? It started (laughs) as, can this greenhouse work? Yeah. You know, when we started, there were... You know, vertical farming is the fastest growing industry in agriculture. There are many different types of vertical farms. We are the first and one of the only vertical greenhouses in the world. And, you know, we we set forth with that for many reasons. But I think that there's a reason why vertical farming has is enjoying this spotlight, right? The UN has put out a report by the year 2050, our population is going to grow to 10 billion people globally. 80% of our arable land globally is already in use. We're going to need to increase food production by 50% in order to catch up to that population growth. There's a simple math equation that just doesn't add up. So we need to use technology to rethink how we grow food. Mm -hmm. And I think what where we're really unique at Vertical Harvest is we're not only saying we can use technology to grow food, but can we pair it with some of our most vulnerable populations to empower them, right? So we're, you know, really focused on becoming a community impact model. And we're cultivating healthy people, communities, and then strengthening thereby economies because it's all interlinked. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this year, 2020, has shown us that. (laughs) Um, The planet is sharing (laughs) the idea that we are all, you know, connected to one another and that we're only as strong as the weakest link in our community. And so I think that that idea that we've been able to model here in Jackson Hole, communities from even before we broke ground were interested in what we're doing. Now that we've been five years in operation in this very nascent industry, people are really paying attention and they're saying, how do we bring it to our community? We have those same problems. We import all of our food. We have people who, you know, deserve to be employed. People with disabilities is the largest minority in the United States, one that you or I could become a part of at any moment. And how do we create systems of health and, you know, not only healthy food, but healthy jobs to prevent people from falling through the cracks? And I think that's a model that you know, we've built here and we're really excited to help other communities bring it to their, you know, economies. I think that's, I mean, that is awesome. And it's something that I have so appreciated from, you know, from even the early stages of the first time I talked to you several years back. And then we also looked, you know, we were, we were looking at different ways. I remember looking at your pitch deck and you were so determined that the community part was so important. And 
And, and we're only just now getting the investors to really recognize the importance and the value of investing in social impact yes. projects. And I think that that is something that you're really at the forefront of, of just saying like, look, that is a key piece to this model. And it's not just about growing things for people to eat in the city. It's about having a community impact. It's about creating something that, you know, that fits in the system as, you know, to not to overuse the word, but it really is a beautiful application of systems thinking. And absolutely that, you know, that population that you're working with, they're very capable. Yes. And to create environments where they can thrive is just a beautiful thing. Well, and I think, you know, I just got off our team Zoom call. (laughs) You know, this population is the last population in and the first one out. You know, during this pandemic crisis, it was really difficult for us to make sure that the team, this empowerment that we've seen in the last five years, that we maintain that. Now we're all linked through technology. It is incredible technology for you and me makes things better. Technology for people with disabilities makes life possible. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that this pairing of innovation and technology with an underserved population is utilizing technology for its, its, again, its best use. You know, what is the potential of technology and why not have it benefit humanity in this way? And I think that for us over the last five years, we've seen people who were before Vertical Harvest, you know, bagging groceries, cleaning hotel rooms, washing dishes. Now we all have to start somewhere. That's not the point. The difference is there was no pathway to a career. Mm-hmm. And employment is how we all find our value and where mm-hmm. our place in systems and, you know, our communities. And so now not only is this population providing the most important commodity to any community, healthy, nutritious food, They are also leading the charge in one of the fastest growing industries in agriculture, right? So they're on the cutting edge of this solution. We're never going to replace traditional farming, but we're going to be able to supplement it in important ways that can address some of our globe's most pressing problems. So there's a sea change of perception of what this population is able to do. And really, it was just a very simple shift in thinking. And you talk about systemic thinking. It's saying, if we focus on ability and possibility instead of disability, what can we do? And over and over, our employees have shown us what they can do and quickly. You know, we have people who came in never managing or working, you know, beyond an entry-level position in their lives. And now they're managing teams to produce every single head of lettuce in our, you know, greenhouse. It's astounding when you really customize a job to focus on what a person can do. do. Oh, I love it. I love it. I can't wait to go see where you've come after that, you know, the last, I mean, it's been a couple of years since I was in there. So it's just so exciting to see the progress and to see the people in there. I mean, the community, you could, you can feel that thriving community when you're in there. The people love going to work. Right. It's just a really, it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. And I, I'm just so excited about it. And I can't wait to see it scaled around the world because I think there's a lot of communities, like you were saying, there's just, there's a great need for it. And, it, you know, if you can create that model that's replicable, 
you know, more power to you, which has obviously been recognized because I, a little birdie told me that somehow you just got some some pretty nice recognition. Can you tell us about that? Because that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I think, you know, five years ago, a lot of people were looking at us. They're like, huh. Okay, they're saying they're for profit. They're hiring people with disabilities. This is a totally nascent industry, right? And so we got a lot of interest from the New York Times and CNN, right? And then I think there was a five-year kind of, let's wait and see what this group does, right? <laughs> and, you know, a lot of vertical farms have started since this that point, And a lot of them have actually had to shut their doors. And so we are headed towards profitability. We're very excited about that. And I think that we have stood the test of time where CNN came and said that, you know, they would like to highlight us as this year's one of the 10 champions for change. And, you know, that meant a lot to me, but because it meant so much for the team, right? Mm -hmm. Vertical farming, farming in general is not for the faint of heart. It is hard and it is day in, day out doing the same thing, really, you know, putting a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into what makes that ecosystem work. And to be celebrated as champions who are changing the world, you know, that was something that was incredibly joyful to share with the team. And, you know, as I said, the piece, everybody's a champion there. Everybody's a change maker. And, you know, being the spokesperson for that group now that our story's out there, I think our team has redoubled our efforts of this is going to work, we are going to expand, we are going to grow. And we, you know, a lot of people say, what's the most valuable thing you've created? And I like to say it's our culture. And mm -hmm. any business person knows that you know, businesses are, you know, made by their cultures. If you don't have a good culture, you can have as much strategy as you want, but you're not going to make it. And the culture here is pretty special. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very apparent when you meet people that are working with you. And I say with you because you really have created this sense of this culture where people all clearly feel part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a pretty amazing thing that you've done. And I, Thank I you. really honor you with that. I want to find out a little bit more, if you don't mind, go yeah. into the personal a little bit, but <laughs> just of like, because you're not from here. And I guess a lot of people, unless you're a cowboy, you probably didn't grow up in Jackson Hole. <laughs> so how did you end up in Jackson Hole in the first place? <laughs> love, Heidi, love. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, I think we're, as we get older, we learn that some of the strongest partnerships are with the people that complete you, that bring, you know, that you share the same values, but you have kind of yin and yang, right? And I thought I was going to live the rest of my days in New York City, perfectly happy in an environment that made sense to me. <laughs> but I'm an adventurer and I, I really love different systems, right? Different environments, mm -hmm. different landscapes and learning about how they work together. And I've known my husband since I was incredibly young. Uh, we met when we were 11. We've been best friends our whole lives. And, you know, he is the opposite. He, he braved New York City for 11 years and he would have done it because he knew how much it meant to me. He would have stuck it out, but it wasn't him. And I knew that he wasn't thriving in the way mm -hmm. that I you you want somebody you love to thrive. And 
So we had children before a lot of our friends did, and New York wasn't the same once we had our first son. And I'm thankful for him to change my world. I learned a lot through that about who I was and who I could be. But we had an opportunity to build a house here in Jackson, and my husband had always dreamt, I think since he was 12, he came here and he climbed a butte and he looked around and he said, this is the place that has stolen my heart. And so he kind of crafted this opportunity to build a house. (laughs) And he also crafted the idea that we could live here for two years and have this experience and go home. And, And then hopefully our friends would have been married and having kids too. They could have caught up to us. Uh, But we fell in love with it. And I'm so happy that we took that risk because it is a real community of risk takers and people who are passionate. And I've met the most incredible people here. It's an incredibly strong community because you do have to be strong in order to live here. But it is, you know, there's a saying that you come for the landscape and you stay for the community. And that definitely happened to us. So we've been here for 17 years now. My friends in New York are still like, uh, what happened? (laughs) But coming here as a young architect and now on the other side of that, or, you know, architects really begin their career at 50. I think that when you authentically believe in something here and, and you have the persistence to keep building it, people will respond and people will support you. And Vertical Harvest was a real grassroots community driven project, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, it has to have a voice piece and that I had the honor and the privilege of being that voice piece. But, you know, it was really built by the community and supported by the community. And, and that is a key part to our replication process, right? It has to come from a stakeholder on the ground. Mm-hmm. It cannot be us, this, you know, company coming in and saying, this is good for you. It has to come from the community. And we're building partnerships with communities. So the first one will be in Portland, Maine, and it shares many aspects of this community. So I have loved every minute of it. Have I missed the city? Yes. Do I want to go back and visit? Yes. And am I happy that we're, you know, headed east first? Yes. But I really, I, this place is, it holds such a special place in my heart. And it really has been an evolution and really has contributed it so profoundly to who I am today. Yeah, it's well said. And uh, I can contest the fact that your husband is just spectacular as well. He's he's just a sweetheart. So I can see why you wanted to stick it out and, uh, and make that work and follow love both for, for those of you listening, this is your first indication that we're heading this way. So we've had a similar transition in our own, in our own household. You know, it's time to go back to the mountains. Yeah. The, the mountains is where my heart is. Yeah. And, and I totally get it. So I get Mark's drive to, to come here. And, and for me, it's also the community. I've never been in a place where every single person I met was just interesting and, uh, and lovely. Just really genuine and authentic, and it's an exciting place to be. It is, and I think what contributes to that is that it, you know, Jackson Hole is is tricky, right? Mm -hmm. It's tricky not only because of the weather, but to build a career here and to move at a point where you have to build a career, you know, you have to be able to live here. It takes 
inventing yourself and reinventing yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think there's strength in that exploration that can be brought out of that exploration. And we all go through it, right? But, you know, I think if I had stayed in New York or where I were originally from Michigan, that path would have been clearer, right? And maybe easier. And I often think, you know, Vertical Harvest would have never been a part of my life. I don't think I would have fallen upon it because it was really born out of two specific needs in Jackson Hole yeah. and how I, what, what I could bring to that table, yeah. right. To help solve them yeah. with my concern for this community that I loved, yeah. but it wasn't always easy. Yeah. I'd say that that shift is hard and it's probably through that, you know, that struggle that things get good. Nothing ever easy is good. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it takes a little, little grit and, and uh, determination, and you get determination to get through it. So you're here in Jackson. Things are going well with Vertical Harvest. It's growing like crazy. You're working like crazy, just Mm -hmm. keeping this going. And you're still doing your architecture. Yes. So, you know, I want to touch on that just a little bit because, of course, we could do a whole episode just about (laughs) architecture and the impact of technology and the whole industry. You know, also, I would imagine that your work with Vertical Harvest is also influenced your, the way you think about building and just being in the mountains and getting a sense of how things integrate with nature, but the potential of what you can do by integrating technology. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because yeah. I think that's something that is quite fascinating. Well, you know, I have to kind of go back a little bit. I went to, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Columbia University for my graduate degree. And it was at the dawn of the computer age, right? Right now, if you go into an architecture school, everybody's on a computer, right? And when I went, it was the first paperless studio, right? In quotes. And, and I, you know, think about that now. Everything's a paperless studio. You work on the computer. That's where we all work. We work in this digital realm. And you had to opt in to the digital studio, right? To the, mm-hmm. and, and the paperless studio. And so... From the very outset, I was really interested in this new tool, right? Technology is this tool. And if you think about designing in this tool, there are no boundaries, right? You can design anything. And I was always like, what fascinated me was how do you put boundaries? How do you make it a tool, right? How do you make it interactive? Can the digital world accept feedback from the real world mm-hmm. and vice versa. Could yeah. we learn things from the digital world that then we could export? And I loved that interaction between technology and the built world. And so I've always, I think, seen, you know, how architects have the potential. Yes, you could just put, you know, you have a site, you could put a building on the site, but there are all these parameters, seen and unseen, right? How does an piece of architecture move from being an object that we infuse with technology, air conditioning systems, you know, heat, all that kind of stuff, and just add on layers of tools to make it work. But if we from the outset said, how is the piece of architecture itself the instrument? How is it an ecosystem? How does it start as technologically agnostic? Mm-hmm. And then we input technology to just enhance the performance of this piece of architecture. How can that work? And so it became this really interesting conversation between landscape and architecture and technology. And 
vertical harvest is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. It's an ecosystem, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not very fancy in terms of architecture, but every piece matters, right? Mm -hmm. Every piece, the way it plays to the system, the way we use air and sunlight and, you know, that it, it all works to create this controlled environment. And so it's really just a kind of progression of where I started way back in graduate school. And I think I'm just realizing it, you know. And so for me, that system thinking, design thinking, you know, our tagline at Guide Architects, where I'm very fortunate to have an amazing partner in Peggy Gilday, you know, our tagline is design in everything. So we're not just designing houses, you know. We design ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And so we have done everything from graphic design to branding to architectural design. We design the garbage cans here in Jackson Hole. You know, we feel like we can apply our design thinking to any scale problem. When it became apparent that I was going to be, you know, the CEO of Vertical Harvest, that was tough for me. I was like, well, how do I do both? Because I can't let go who I am. I'm design, you know, infiltrates every cell of who I am, Mm -hmm. but I need to help design this business. And so it was kind of the stubbornness in me that I was like, I can do both. And now I'm so glad that I did because they inform each other in such a spectacular way. And this architectural team, the expertise and the living through five years of this living, breathing, you know, greenhouse they understand all the intricacies of what makes it hum and all the changes and all the adaptions and all the iterative thinking that heads needed to go into it. And that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. And so to make sure that we have a team that not only knows how to run a vertical farm, but how to think about a vertical farm is really critical, I think, to the success of these farms of the future. I think a lot of people think that Vertical farms will be able to run themselves, that they'll be totally automated, they won't need people. I'm very skeptical of that. Again, I think technology is best used to empower people, Mm -hmm. right, and empower these places. So, you know, I'll only use technology if it means that my employee can do something more meaningful, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, And that's critical to me. And I don't think technology is the savior for everything. It's how we use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that. Totally agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more. And, and we talk a lot about that on this show and yeah. just the importance of using technology to enhance humanity rather than become it. Right. And really. I love that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> and really that, I mean, that that's what you're doing with Vertical Harvest. That's what you're doing with every piece of architecture that I've seen that you've created it. It has this incredible integration aspect of it where you're really thinking about, you know, how it fits into the landscape. It's almost like it's an animate object that, you know, that's part of the living, breathing system and that, you know, people are just one other element within that system and that they all work very copacetically, I guess, is one of those ways, one of those uses of that funny word, but... But yeah, no, I think it's just really exciting to see what you're doing. And I'm so proud of you and, Thank and you. You know, proud to call you my friend. And, and I just, I, I love what you're doing. And so how can people find out more about it? And, you know, how can they help you grow this? I mean, I, I think it's such an exciting stage where you're at right now. Yeah. And, you know, how can people find out more? Well, you know, number one, check out our website, verticalharvestfarms.com. 
And I think what we've just done is really understand that everybody wants to be a change maker, right? People feel most rewarded when they're making a change. And Vertical Harvest is such an incredible vehicle for that, right? Whether you're buying our produce or you're bringing our model to your community, right? Because you see the same problems that we saw when we set out to, you know, see if this model worked. And I think that, so we have, you know, several different ways. Many people have reached out to us, as I mentioned before. And one of the things we ask is, you know, get people interested, tell our story, right? This is the easiest way that you can be involved with Vertical Harvest. The other is we have a letter that you can download on our website. That is, you can send to your local municipality to say, hey, I want to introduce you to this amazing company. And I want to figure out how to bring this to our town. And then finally, you know, I think finding people who want to support in any way this model and support the growth that we're creating, I think is critical to our success. So we like to say that we're all change makers and and I think that that right now we see that if we don't feel like we can, you know, contribute to change that we want to see, right, happen, that this anxiety kind of comes in, right, that we don't feel like we have any effect on mm-hmm. our lives. And I think this is a really palpable way to make that happen from whether it's, you know, your choice of how to eat, right, and what to eat, mm-hmm. whether it's vertical harvest or supporting your local farmer, I think really finding ways to support local food systems is a really, really critical way to see change happen quickly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time. In fact, we've gone over time, but I always like to go over time with people (laughs) that I love to chat with. Anyway, such a treat to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me here. Don't miss out and go check out verticalharvestfarms.com so you can learn more about their story. It will be in the show notes, so we'll make sure that you have all the links and can find them. And uh, go check out their Vertical Harvest Farms. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, you got to check them out and taste their goodness that's in all the restaurants and, uh, and in the local markets. Such a pleasure to have you on today. And thank you, folks, for joining us today. Appreciate your taking the time to listen in. And if you haven't already, don't forget to share and to rate and review if you haven't had a chance to do that as well. Look forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.